I've been waiting 23 years to say that. Oh, it looked like it wasn't recording yet. That's Perfect what mine timing. always does. Oh well, that just means more editing later on. Huzzah! I Huzzah! I edited in bed last night. I was so friggin' tired, uh, and Leanne didn't feel well, so we went to bed at 7 o'clock, and I brought my laptop, and I did like a tiny bit of editing, and I was like, nope, I didn't sleep at all last night. Never mind this editing, I'm going to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we have like a strict schedule for either podcast anyway. We used to, and now it's gone, and I'd like to try to get it back again. 2022 resolutions. We can do it. Yes. 2022, we're going to get back on track to a normal schedule one way or another. Yeah, and if you believe that, I got a big old floppy wiener for you. <laughs> you have a big old floppy wiener. <laughs> oh, no, this is the FBI's Most Unwanted. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. And that big old floppy wiener is Mulders in his red Speedo, which isn't even in this episode, but I was thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, when you tweeted about it the other day, and I was like, man, I haven't thought about his big floppy wiener in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we are back. This is, uh, we're going to talk about Season 3, Episode 21. The title is Avatar, so obviously there's lots of blue people in it. <laughs> and they're having sex with each other's hair. Yep. Uh, this one is directed by James Charleston. The story was by David Duchovny and Howard Gordon. And the teleplay was by Howard Gordon. And it originally aired April 26, 1996. This is a Walter Skinner heavy episode. Uh, focuses mostly on him. Um, there's... Lots of folks in this episode, but I would say the only notable uh, guest appearances are uh, by William B. Davis as the smoking man, but uh, he's appearance because he's in only one scene. Uh, and then Jennifer Hetrick, who plays Sharon Skinner, Walter Skinner's wife, is best known for playing the character Vash in Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So, uh, Star Trek nerds will recognize her. Sweet. Yeah, I don't really yeah. know. Yeah, there was no one in this that caught my attention. Except for just hot old ladies. Yep. Um, this episode was suggested by David Duchovny because he wanted a break. He felt like, because obviously Mulder and Scully are the, the focus of every episode he had been working a lot and Skinner had gained popularity uh, through the episodes The Blessing Way and Paperclip where he had been heavily featured so he was becoming a fan favorite and David Duchovny was like hey uh, people seem to like Skinner maybe we give him like the brunt of an episode to carry and they liked it the, you know everybody liked it and so they went ahead and uh, and even though 
David Duchovny wanted a break, he still uh, <coughs> ended up having a lot to do in the episode, so I don't think he got his way in the end. Break, like, who got a break? No, he's like in it just as much as Skinner. Is. Yep. So, um... Uh, wait, oh, I lost my play. Oh, and, um, so, uh, Skinner, Mitch Pelleggi, uh, they had decided, well, Vince Gilligan had originally wanted Skinner, or had stated, rather, that Skinner was supposed to be a villain, but they liked Mitch Pelleggi so much that the writers just kind of turned it around and decided to make his character an ally to Mulder and Scully instead and that kind of really comes out more in this episode to try and show where Skinner stands. Because up to this point, it's been kind of waffly on where Skinner stands. Uh, um, I don't know about you, but I've completely lost audio on you. Oh, there you are. Oh, I was... Yes. I'm here. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just saying that... <clears throat> Um, Vince Gilligan had stated that Skinner was originally supposed to end up being a villain. He was supposed to work against Mulder and Scully. Biters liked Mitch Pelleggi so much that they turned Skinner into an ally so they could feature him more in, in that. And this episode kind of firms that up a little bit because we get a little bit of Skinner's backstory and kind of see by the end of the episode he really does stand... Uh, with Mulder and Scully in that uh, we kind of learn that what he does for a living comes at a price and we'll talk about that um, doo -doo -doo, I feel like there was one other thing I feel like it makes sense <clears throat> to because throughout the seasons like you, you realize that it's a lot of just Mulder and Scully kind of like being on their mm -hmm. own and throughout the course of the X Files, yeah, they keep having iteration like interactions with Skinner, who's just like not a hundred percent on board. And through like paperclip and stuff, you start to really understand that it makes it's starting to make sense to the, like. To, I think it was much of it was a better idea to have him be like that kind of mm -hmm. character. It's like, no, he's an ally. He may be a hesitant ally, yeah. but still like. Very much like no, he. I'm in your corner, uh, which I think is desperately needed for a show like this. Because otherwise, you're gonna kind of write yourself into a corner right. with and it. And just uh, before we dive into the the plot of this episode, for anybody that hasn't read the book, um, the X Files trust no one. It's a uh, short story collection, and uh, I learned when I interviewed Jonathan Mayberry. Um, that all the stories contained within this book, I, um, all those involved in the X-Files, they were dubbed officially canon. Um, so there is a, a story in here uh, by Brian Keane. It is called Non Gratum Anos Rodentum. And this story is actually another Walter Skinner story that uh, takes place almost entirely... Uh, let's see, um, there's a couple pages that are set in uh, 1994, but then the rest of it is 
pretty much set during Skinner's time in Vietnam, and this is the episode where we learn that uh, Skinner was in Vietnam and was uh, a drug user in Vietnam and stuff like that. And so this story in the X-Files, Trust No One, Non Gratum Anus Rodentum, is actually about something that happened to Skinner in Vietnam. So... Yeah, it's a pretty good story. Uh, it's by Brian Keane, who's a good writer. Oh, sweet. Uh, maybe someday I'll get to talk to him about it. <clears throat> um, okay. So, yeah. Oh, and uh, just at the time, this one got really mixed reviews. Like, uh, the highest grade I saw for it was a B-plus from the AV Club, all the way down to, like, a two-star D-plus rating from Entertainment Weekly and stuff like that. So, I'll be interested to see what you think of it. I know what I think of it. Um, the episode opens up, uh, Skinner gets divorce papers from his wife, Sharon. They've been married for 17 years and his lawyer is like, all right, all you got to do is sign these and everything will be all good and, and taken care of. And he's like, no, no, just not ready to sign these yet. I'm going to go out. And he goes to a bar and he meets a blonde lady and they... <laughs> Excuse me. Um, her name is Karina Sales, and they have the safe for TV sex I've ever seen. Where they're, <laughs> it's awkward it's so and weird. Funny. They're just rolling around in the bed. <laughs> Their heads at so a couple points aren't even like close to each mm-hmm. other or like awkwardly are awkwardly angled, so it doesn't it doesn't work for if they're making out. Like it's just I'm like oh this is what well, sex and the weird is thing like. is like um there was a scene that was cut due to time considerations it was between Skinner and the smoking man um and they cut that and then they also cut um another scene where Mulder confronts Skinner and excuse me and um. I'm thinking to myself, man, they could have cut this weird sex scene between Skinner and uh, Karina Sales. They could have been like, oh, they leave the bar together and then smash cut to the next morning when Skinner wakes up and surprise everybody, she's dead. But you had to see him see the old lady oh, that's during right. sex. Yeah. Um, during sex or like during a, a, a dream he has after he falls asleep during sex, he sees this screaming old lady in bed with him. And that's when he wakes up and he finds this woman with her head twisted completely around. You know, like most one night stands. Yeah, so like you're right. Mantis. I guess, so you're right. I guess they couldn't have necessarily. I don't know. They had to make it edgy for be like, ah, oh, like this will get people in to watch it. And it was like the weirdest interaction to get to this because the woman like. She's like at the bar. I was like, "Yeah, that guy in the red tie is gonna tell me about half, told me half his story, and if you walked away, he was gonna yeah. tell me the other half." And I'm like, "That's a weird interaction mm-hmm. in general." Yeah, it is. Although this is the episode where we learn that Mitch Pileggi was pretty buff back then because he was a without buff his dude. suit coat on and without his shirt on, you can see that he's like got some muscles going on or even when uh there's a scene later when he's in his house and he's in like just a 
as as my one of my favorite bits from the last season of Rick and Morty on the on the time train on the on the infinite <laughs> infinite train where they where uh, the time guy time conductor takes his shirt off. Come and he's gutters. like, oh man, you got cum <laughs> oh, dumpsters. Morty, what are you talking about? Like, oh, yeah. Isn't that what they <laughs> call gutters. Rick? Uh. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it doesn't. I don't know. They wrote some. It's it's really weird because it's just a bizarre moment where he's like, I no, I was because probably because he. Well, it was kind of talked about later a little bit, but I'm assuming because he's the closest to Skinner. Yeah, I guess so. Besides his wife, that maybe someone called him, being like, "You're the emergency contact kind of deal." Yeah, I guess so because he shows up at the hotel where Skinner is, and like the police are like, "No, like we get that you're like a colleague of his, but you can't talk to him right now." And Skinner is basically like, "Mulder, don't like." don't get involved. Skinner doesn't want Mulder anywhere near it, which is like, okay, then why did somebody call him? But anyway, um, and Skinner is apparently, uh, not taking any polygraph tests and he's viewed as a suspect. And, uh, Mulder is like Scully. I'll, I'll meet you. At the at the coroner's office, you can do the, a second autopsy or do the first autopsy. The whole interdepartment thing, I don't understand because the local DC police are dealing with it uh, as they would, but Mulder and Scully somehow get in yeah. there because it's also an FBI I gotta, matter. I also gotta say, Mulder when Mulder looks at the the stencil, <laughs> this was something that's just popped in my head but the stencil of the girl's body <laughs> the with the tape I'm like wow that is some intricate tape work someone did <laughs> I know and especially right there on the sheets like that they didn't come in and like take pictures while the body was still there yeah. it's like nope nope just gonna tape use this tape like fat tape on here and hope that they'll get the message i mean and i know that they actually take pictures because leanne and i started watching uh the paradise lost documentary about the west memphis three the the three guys that were wrongfully accused of murdering children and just right up front of that documentary completely unexpected was like actual crime scene footage of dead naked boys it was like oh did not expect that so you are now on a list with your wife Mm. uh (laughs) it it was it was disturbing but yes it makes the the weird tape outline on the bed in this episode of the x-files even stranger (laughs) um (laughs) So Scully is like examining the corpse and she shuts the light off to leave and there's like this whole phosphorescent glow around the nose and lips and she takes a sample of that. And then Mulder finds out, oh, this woman, this isn't just some random woman that uh, uh, Skinner hooked up with. She was a prostitute. (laughs) And so... They're like, all right, we're going to go interview the madam. And so they go to interview the madam at the uh, prostitute agency. And they find out, uh, they're like, okay, so somebody hired her. And she's like, well, yeah, somebody did hire her. Uh, I have his credit card receipt. (laughs) This woman is so funny because... It's just, it's just the whole aspect of it is so funny because they're like they're clearly showing in their quick motion FBI badges, mm-hmm. 
and she is just like she's trying, trying so, so hard, hard not to reveal who any of her clients are yeah it's like well i have some pretty high clients and let's just say that this guy works for law enforcement i'm just like it's just so well she says something about like, and a lot of you'd be surprised how many of my clients are government officials and Mulder goes considering yes. they're government officials no i wouldn't <laughs> or something yes. to that effect yeah like it's not a big secret <laughs> and so they have this whole back and forth and uh turns out it was skinner skinner hired her she has the credit card you know receipt and number and all that and meanwhile Skinner is released. They don't have enough evidence to necessarily hold him because he says he has no memory of anything other than sleeping with this woman and he doesn't know how she ended up dead and they can't prove that he killed her. I don't know how, but um, they can't. And so they let him go. And while he's out on the street, he's talking to Mulder and Scully and he sees the old woman standing across the street. Chaser and he catches up and it's not the old woman after all it's his uh soon to be ex-wife sharon and sharon is like you know walter i'm just coming to see if you're okay and he walks away from her and so Mulder and scully are like oh you're skinner's wife we didn't even know he was married and she's like yeah he keeps a lot of secrets and you know i'm not going to be his wife much longer like we've had all these problems yada 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 and scully finds out that um skinner has been receiving treatment for a rare sleep disorder where um i can't even remember what it was called but it's it's, night terror yeah it's a version of night terrors Except, um, in a night terror, I guess you can't really move, but in this sleep disorder, you, you can, you can get up and you can do things and, uh, like defend yourself. And she shows Mulder, like a video of a guy who's running away from a train in his dream. Cause he thinks he's going to be run over. And basically what Skinner's dream is about is that an old woman is suffocating him in his sleep. And so, <clears throat> and so Scully's um, hypothesis is that he probably did kill this prostitute, but in his sleep, because he thought she was this old lady suffocating him, and that's why he doesn't remember. Yeah, I mean, well, we also in this we also find out that uh, Mulder is talking with Sharon, and Mul and. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, he speaks highly of you, of anyone I've ever heard. So you, you get more of that backstory of, like, how much respect yep. uh, Skinner has for Mulder's work. Yep. Even if he doesn't show it. Yep. So, uh, then Mulder goes, after uh, Mulder hears about this this sleep disorder, he goes, well, that's interesting because I've I've heard something like this before, and he explains the succubus legend to Scully, where essentially, you know, uh, a a woman demon would suffocate men in their sleep, and Scully goes, "Well, <clears throat> maybe that's where that that myth came from. Is this this sleep disorder? Maybe other people have had something like this happen to them before in the past." 
But also, uh, I collected a weird sample from around the mouth. And it was... Semen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, that glows under a black light, too. <gasps> and she's like, it was this, like, phosphorescent material. So... And, Mulder's like, oh, that could be like spectral energy or whatever the heck he thinks it is. You know, he's like, go show me the body. And so <laughs> his extraterrestrial boner, like, goes into overdrive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out. Well, they get. To, oh, yeah. They, they get there. I was trying to figure out what order things went in. But you're right. They go. They find. They, they pull the body out of cold storage. But the material is gone, and he, she's like, it must have, like, degraded or whatever. And she's like, well, good thing I collected a sample of it. And she calls to find out about her sample. And they're like, oh, it was, there was no testable material in the sample you gave us. Ooh, spooky mystery. <laughs> Ooh, spooky, scary. Spooky, scary mystery stuff. And this is when we get a whole scene where... Uh, Sharon, she goes to see Walter and they have a little talk about their marriage and everything. And then she leaves and Walter Skinner, he falls asleep and he has another dream about this old woman screaming at him and he wakes up to knocking on his door and he goes and it's the two detectives who arrested him before. And they're like, Hey, you need to come with us. And he's like, why, what the hell is going on? And they're like, well, your wife, uh, got ran off the road. Uh, and we need to see, you know, we need your car keys. We need to check out your car. We need to impound your vehicle. And we think you ran her off the road. And he's like, well, no, I was sleeping, but okay. And then we see the frame, uh, the picture frame he was holding that was like him and his wife's wedding photo. Uh, a weird look at Mitch Pileggi with hair. <laughs> um, did I ever tell you? I think I mentioned it before on this show. They made him grow that ring around his head. He was already... Oh, did they? Yeah, he was already at that point in his life shaving his head completely bald. But they thought it was more... Um, he was already shaving the rest of his head because he's naturally that way with, you know, the bald on top and the ring around his head. And he shaved his head. Yeah. And someone at some point thought it was better for the character if he grew that out and had like that ring around the head. thing. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's just a random fact. Um, so... Skinner is basically arrested again. And Mulder goes to see him in his uh, interrogation room. And Mulder is like, what the hell is going on? And Skinner basically admits, he's like, look, when I was in Vietnam, we got attacked. Everybody in my uh, group, I, I can't, you know, I don't think it was a bit... His, his, yeah, unit. his whole unit. He's like, every, we, were, we were attacked by surprise. Everyone in my unit died. I died. And Mulder's like, well, clearly, you, so you had a near-death experience. And he's like, no, Mulder, I died. I woke up in a body bag. And while I was dead, this old woman, like, came out of the darkness and, like, took my hand and, like, brought me back 
to the land of the living. And Mulder's like, okay, well, that makes sense because sometimes succubuses are like protectors. So while you were dead, she latched onto you and decided to protect you, which is, okay, so something is going on. So the prostitute was probably out to get you and um, she thinks Sharon is trying to hurt you by divorcing you and... This is where we see the smoking man watching them, right? He's watching from behind the interrogation mirror. And Mulder basically starts to tie it all back to, because you helped me and they already tried to kill you once, because remember, Skinner got shot that time. Yeah. He's like, they can't kill you again, but they can still take you out of commission by by pinning murders on you and having you arrested and maybe this woman is still trying to... Uh, I'm going to find the evidence, don't worry. And he runs off. And Skinner... Well, it, But first, Skinner is like, uh, you know, I, I don't think I... I don't think that really happened. I was on a lot of drugs back then. <laughs> so we learn that Skinner... <clears throat> but he makes a good point. He says he got through the war the same way a lot of guys got through the war, which was... You know, the Vietnam War and all war is really terrible. And a lot of the people used drugs to try to get through it by just being blitzed out of their mind the entire time. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. So um, Mulder does a neat trick, which uh, he cuts the airbag out of Skinner's car and takes it to... I cannot remember this character's name. Give me a second. Ah, uh, Agent Pendrel who we've seen before. He has his little crush on Scully. He works in the forensics lab. And basically, because an airbag has stuff inside of it, uh, it retains an imprint of whatever hits it when it explodes out of the steering wheel, which is, most of the time, your face. So... (laughs) (laughs) What? So... You mean they could take steal my face? Yeah, so Pendrel is basically like, all right, I'm going to take this and I'm going to get the face imprint off this bag and we can scan it into the computer and basically reconstruct the face and it's not Skinner's face, which means he wasn't driving the car. It is um, the gray-haired man, quote-unquote. Is that what it is? It's like it was so weird because it always is like because they like showed it to multiple people in this episode, mm-hmm. and it's all super pixelated with, for obvious reasons. I didn't realize that was the gray hair man. Yeah, it was the guy that is talking to them in the car. Because then what they do is they they find out that the prostitute's boss has also been murdered. She jumped out a window, and they. Mulder and Scully meet up with her secretary and they get her to um, confess that somebody else gave them Skinner's credit card number. And so she calls this guy. And I think this is a pretty neat little trick they pull here where she's talking to him on the phone and she's like, FBI agents came to see me. I think they know I'm really scared. You know, and she's sitting right there with Mulder and Scully and he's like, yeah, okay. Well, uh, did you tell them anything? No, no, no. Meet me in like an hour at this place. He's like, okay, I'll meet you in an hour. And he closes his phone and we realize he's standing right outside the cafe where they're all sitting together. So he already knows. they're. I like that. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Y'all boned. Yeah. So they agree to meet at this ambassador hotel. Uh, meanwhile, Skinner goes to see his wife, who's in the hospital. She survived getting run off the road. But he tells her while she's in her coma or whatever that he can't sign the divorce papers, that he loves her too much. They have a nice tender moment. Yeah, it's just Skinner basically saying, I turned myself off because of work because I want to protect you from yep. all the horrors that I have to deal with on a daily basis, and that's the only way I know I can cope with it. Yep, and so uh, while he's do- he's he's getting ready to leave... But then her vital signs monitor starts going off like she's crashing and he runs out into the hall to try to get some help. But then he turns around and he sees that the old woman is on Sharon's bed instead of Sharon. And when he, you know, she's doing the come closer movement. And when he goes back into the room, it's Sharon again and she's awake and she says, I need to tell you something. And then the scene cuts away, and then they're at the Ambassador Hotel, and Mulder is down at the bar with some police officers, and Scully is upstairs with the secretary, and they keep thinking they're going to see the assassin come in, but they don't see him. Obviously, he's upstairs. Um, You know, he slipped by everybody, made it upstairs, and he's going to attack... um, You know, Mulder calls upstairs right at the perfect moment. And, you know, Scully's like, no, I I don't really know what's going on yet. Oh, hold on. There's a noise. And Mulder's like, oh, God, we got to go upstairs. And he, you know, the the assassin traps them in the bathroom. And there's like a gunshot noise. And we think that, you know, something bad has happened. But right as Mulder and the police officers run into the room, it's Skinner. He's killed the assassin himself. And then, you know, um, we go basically to, um, I skipped over the whole part where the FBI is investigating Agent Skinner and it's not really that important. It's just, but basically more or less just the pieces of like, you're trying to understand everyone else's place in it and them trying to like frame Skinner. Yeah, and uh, well, the only reason I wanted to mention it was because they have that discussion in that really dimly lit room. I'm watching <laughs> the, the whole time thinking, why didn't they just turn the lights in this conference room on? Why are they talking to Scully in what amounts to the dark? There's like one yeah. light. <laughs> that's how you that's how you interrogate people the proper way. You got to make it look all doomy. Yeah, but basically the end of the episode is, you know, Skinner's back in his office. He's ripping the, the tape off his desk that said he was being investigated and stuff like that. And Mulder and Scully come in and they hand him their report and... He's like, this is good work. Thanks for taking good care of this. And Mulder's like, you're going to notice there's a line. There's some line items, some important stuff missing about, uh, for example, how you actually knew to be at the hotel to kill that assassin. And Skinner's like, oh, that's uh, that doesn't really need to be in the report anyway. And Mulder's like, okay, well, then just tell me. How did you know? And Skinner's like, get back to work. And so Mulder leaves <laughs> And Skinner puts his wedding ring back on, so I guess his wife decided to stay with him, and that's the end of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Overall, I really enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I don't think it was the strongest just because of certain aspects of it that at first view didn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a little bit to get into, but I still enjoyed it. I like that we get to see more of Skinner and like more of him as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some aspects of it that were just a little bizarre. Um, mainly the whole killing of the prostitute and that whole residual thing yeah. was just a little bit weird because you could still play that as did he kill her or mm. did the did the assassin and but what about like the glow in the dark substance around the mouth nose mm. just, like there was some weird unanswered stuff in this that was a little frustrating but the Skinner stuff overall was really good I kind of give this like B P a B B plus kind of territory. Okay. Um, I like this one, uh, but I think it suffers not just from what you were saying, but I think it suffers from not knowing if it's a monster of the week episode or a mythology episode. It kind of starts out monster of the week. And then somewhere towards the end, they try to connect it to all these other things that have been going on, and I think that makes it a little messy. Yeah. Um, I'm more in a C plus range personally with this one. It's so, just the, I, yeah, I mean the Skinner the stuff is really good. Yeah. <clears throat> but the succubus felt sort of kind of rushed mm-hmm. in because they kind of like, well, was the succubus protecting him? Because of course my only real frame of succubuses up until this point was the one in South Park that took over, that tried to take Chef. Mm, yep. Um, and it was mostly just, like, suck their life force out uh, over time, which I assume would have been the same thing with Skinner in this one, but then to kill everyone else off, it's like, but succubuses don't really protect unless it's for food reasons? Right. So it was a little bizarre. I mean, I still really enjoyed mainly the Skinner stuff, but then, like, try to blank out the succubus part. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the end of Avatar. Next week's episode is titled Quagmire. Giggity, 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 giggity. Giggity, giggity, And it's actually a really interesting one. I'm super interested to see what you think of it. I will say yes. that uh, one as one specific scene in this episode got highly praised by critics because it is just Mulder and Scully and approximately ten pages of dialogue between them. All right, and it's it's a really good scene, actually. Uh, I have to revisit. I haven't seen this. Per- I haven't seen Quagmire in a while. I gotta see. I gotta refresh my memory on how I feel about the episode as a whole. But I do remember that scene, and it is really good. So that's something to All look right, forward cool. to with Quagmire. Hell yeah! Who else but Quagmire? He's Quagmire, Quagmire, you never really know. Okay, I'll save all those jokes for next week. (laughs) (laughs) Can't believe she's already 18. Oh, God. Next week, next week. Okay, that's it. Bye, everyone. Later.
The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. 